0: Start On
1: On Demand.
2: It has been a long time since I've seen a reaction like the one we got this morning to the announcement from Quebec that they want to introduce a tax on the unvaccinated. Where do you sit on that? Speaking on vaccination, we spoke to the food professor, Sylvain Charlebois. On the potential ramifications of this vaccination mandate that's coming into effect for truck drivers crossing the border winnipeg's activate games which is honestly one of the coolest places ever has reached one million followers on TikTok. and with the warmer weather what do you like to do when you un i'm brett mcgarry alongside greg mackling and loren mcnab we are mackling mcgarry and mcnab and this is the wednesday January 12th podcast for The Start. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, before we get rolling here, just want to make sure everything is hunky-dory. We had kind of a weird day yesterday with All sorts of technical glitches and weird things going on in our lives. So, Producer Jeff Fortier, you woke up yesterday. Well, you didn't wake up. You were getting in the shower. Fire alarm went off. Anything weird happen this morning?
3: Not yet. I'm just waiting for it to happen, though. (laughs) At this point in my
2: life, something's bound to happen. Optimism. Loren McNabb, do you have coffee?
3: I have coffee, and I have a working mic. So, the two things, the most important things in my Kicking off my day are here. So we're good. I think. I think.
1: Mackling, do you have steeped tea? Steeped tea has uh, already been consumed, Brett. I feel great. My microphone is working. I got a wind sock for my microphone yesterday, so I don't know if I'm sounding any different whatsoever today, but... In my mind, it's a better setup, and my new headphones seem to be working just fine. So I think we're all set to go here, my man. All right,
2: good. The, I guess I, I had I had a, a blip this morning where I got up on time, and then I sat down on the couch as I usually do to sort of peruse. Twitter and Instagram and whatnot, and then I fell asleep.
1: <laughs> so, Did your phone end up on the fo-
2: on the floor? <laughs> no, it didn't. But um, yeah, I was um, running a bit behind, and then I had to wait even longer for a taxi because I, I called right when they were sort of doing the the switch, the shift switch. So. Yeah, I was a, running a, a little bit panicked this morning, but good to go now. So does it
3: not feel like a Friday today? And I don't mean like in a oh yay I feel good it's Friday the weekend. I, I mean, in a, I'm so tired it must be Friday kind y- of thing.
2: Yeah, yeah. I was I, last night. I was thinking about what am I going to order for takeout on the weekend, and then it kind of hit me <laughs> like, Good <laughs> lord, it's only Tuesday. <laughs> because it's it, 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 that first week back. Uh, that first full week back in the new year is always a bit of a slog, and uh, at, at the very least, we're out of that extreme cold for a few days, but yeah, Greg, it's um, that first week, it, it's always just kind of, I feel like I'm just sort of dragging a little bit here.
1: Well, I think we're sort of reorienting ourselves to the, the new normal, and like you say, that first full week back is always a challenge after really a roller coaster of working one, two, three, maybe four days maximum over the last month as we tried to use up our holidays heading into the Christmas break and then the Christmas break, the New Year's break. And so now here we are. I got admonished by by Jeff Forche for suggesting Wednesdays were my second favorite day of the work week. And he said, what do you mean? I said, well, It starts off kind of crummy, right? It's only Wednesday. But by the time for us 11, 12 o'clock rolls around, hey, hey, tomorrow's already Thursday. So I like coming into it kind of in a less than ideal frame of mind. And then by the end of the workday, I'm feeling pretty good. I can see the weekend (laughs) by the time our workday is done today. So uh, you guys uh, can vote on uh, where Wednesday fits on your day of the work week schedule. But for me, Wednesday is my second favorite.
2: Okay, that's an interesting take. Lauren, do you have any thoughts on
3: that? No, I'm miserable right now. I'm <laughs> tired. All right, well. If you're not telling me it's Friday right now, I'm out of this week, Monday, Tuesday, Monday, <laughs> Marty, McReady conversation. <laughs>
2: i love it uh, so Ooh, you can
1: McCready, i like that
2: weigh in 204 is, 68, 68, 68, is wednesday your second favorite day of the week you can also weigh in on something we're going to be speaking about uh, at length you heard it in jeff braun's newscast you can read it about it at cjob.com but uh greg you you texted us yesterday and my reaction was oh boy i was wondering who might be the first to pull the trigger on this quebec what's happening in
1: quebec well, is anybody surprised that of all the Canadian provinces to pull this, that it be Quebec? You know, they've, they're really the only province that has had a, a lockdown in the way that they've had. They're the only ones that have had a curfew. They've done things very differently. And now they're suggesting that if you're not vaccinated, we're going to make you pay. We're going to hit you where it hurts. For most people, it's in the pocketbook. Not exactly sure on how they're going to go about that, but we're going to learn with you. Later on this morning, and get your reaction to this because I know that this is going to be a difficult thing for them to do. You know, there's going to be some sort of court action to get in the way of this, Loren. And I just wonder if it's just a maybe, just a a little bit of a of a signal to say, "Hey, this is how frustrated we are." I don't. Do you think they're serious about going ahead with this?
3: I think they're semi-serious going ahead with a Vax tax. I think that that's possible for them to sit in the back room somewhere and say, well, why don't we tax people who aren't vaccinated and they'll have to pay a penalty? They haven't said how much that penalty would be. They've only said it would be significant. But there is, I am quite confident there is absolutely no way this ends up on anyone's tax form in Quebec by 2023. I just do not see this happening. That said, I i was just hearing that in the first a few hours after they announced it, vaccine bookings jumped in that province. So is it a tactic Just another page of a playbook to try to encourage more people to get the vaccine. I don't know. We certainly have had lots of people over the past few months text our show to say, hey, why don't we start charging people or why don't we start denying healthcare services, which is just a huge extreme end of the spectrum for those who haven't been vaccinated. Quebec's finding this ground that says, you know what, we want to put people hit people where it hurts if they don't want to get the vaccine. So we'll have more on this at 7 o'clock and again at 8.35 we'll speak to an ethicist because there's going to be all sorts of, not just legal, but you know, morally, ethically, does this make any sense?
2: Mackling, McGarry and McNabb, on January 15th, truckers entering Canada from the United States will need to show proof of vaccination. As such, anywhere between 8,000 to 16,000 drivers could be taken off the road, Greg, and many of them transport food across
1: the border daily. We had a discussion about this yesterday with Barry Prentice, professor at the university of Manitoba with a focus on transportation and supply chain management.
3: What impact could this have overall of goods moving back and forth between our two countries?
4: Well, you can be certain it's not going to lower prices or increase trade. I mean, this is a a negative impact with there's no way of, uh, of sugarcoating that. And we already do have a shortage of drivers and, and very high rates. So again, you have to question, well, what's the, the driver behind this? Uh, where is the risk assessment that's gone into deciding that this should be done? And I find it pretty hard to find that balance.
3: All sorts of people are asking different questions around this one this morning, and of course the thing that's going to impact all of us is the price on food. Dr. Sylvain Charlebois is professor and senior director of the Agri-Food Analytics Lab at Dalhousie University, which of course is in Halifax. We'd just like to shorten that all to food professor and he joins us now. Good morning, Sylvain.
5: Good morning.
3: So this is really, we've had that border closure before, but truckers at one point were considered essential to the system and now we are putting this vaccine Mandate on them. It's the first public health me- measure that could really disrupt trade between our countries. What does this mean for Canada's food security, for bringing food in, and for maybe food prices?
5: Well, first of all, I'm glad that you invited Barry Prentice to your show because he knows what he's talking about. Uh, Barry's a good friend, and he's probably one of the top minds when it comes to logistics in this country. And uh, I-, I could feel in his voice that he's concerned, and I'm equally as concerned. Um, since March of 2020, uh, I think most analysts, including myself, uh, we were never concerned about Canada's food security as long as the border remains open and, and that, uh, that uh, our food supply chain fluidity uh, is not compromised. Now, on January 15, this is going to be the first public health measure impacting our border. And, uh, and that's why a lot of people are concerned. So we're, we don't know exactly the numbers uh, or how many drivers will be impacted, but it's anywhere between eight to 16,000. In the United States, 25% of truckers aren't vaccinated at all. And so it's hard to see how this won't impact uh, the, the efficiency of our supply chains uh, uh, well, starting on January 15th.
1: We've already seen disruptions to the supply chain. I'm thinking in particular West Coast port, Sylvain. Uh, Vaccinated Canadians and Americans are falling ill with COVID, leading to shortages on the labor side. I know at least one company in the city that operates a a warehouse and, and, you know, people are working in that warehouse that have never worked there before. How do we balance this risk of adding to the labor shortage because of Omicron and the loss of capacity because of this mandate?
5: Now, I, I don't think anyone is against the vaccine mandate. It's just the timing that I think is being questioned. First of all, you have Omicron, and if you talk to any food company out there, they'll tell you that they're missing anywhere between 15 to 20% of their employees right now, at the very least, just because they're sick, they're home, or, uh, or their employees were in contact with someone who was sick. Omicron is really just impacting... Uh, the entire system so rapidly uh, it's, it's hitting the industry like wildfire So that's one thing and it's happening right now. It's going to last for a while The other issue is we're in the middle of winter. We actually buy for over 21 billion dollars worth of food products from the United States every single year 60 to 70 percent of of that volume will go through uh, the border on wheels and so and a lot of it happens in the winter because we buy a lot of produce and nuts and different things that we need over the winter months. And and so that's why I think implementing a vaccine mandate at the border right now is is just ill time.
2: And so then, should there be special rules for workers within the food supply chain?
5: I think so. I mean, they, they are they are considered uh, as, as essential workers. Uh, so that's certainly an important uh, fact, uh, but at the same time, you also have to recognize that uh, that we do rely on on the border, on border access, to make sure that Canada remains food secure, especially in the winter months. And so we need to, as Barry Brentus uh, mentioned, I mean, we need to assess risks here. And 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 with Omicron, I actually do think that public health officials will need to really. Uh, uh, understand how to strike a balance between saving lives and making sure the canes are fed, and this is certainly one issue that is going to impact our ability to make sure canes are fed.
2: Sylvain Charlebois, the food professor at Dalhousie University in Halifax, joining us live on six eighty CJOB. Always a pleasure, sir. Thank you.
5: All right. Take care.
2: Right now we want to talk about unhibernation. Now that we have a reprieve from that extreme cold, what are the things that you like to do when the weather breaks a little bit? Are there places you like to go And we don't mean traveling. We don't mean like getting on a plane. We're not talking about getting on a plane for Veradero, for example. But uh, maybe there's somewhere you like to go in southern Manitoba or something you like to do. Or maybe you just sort of feel like you've been let out of your cage for a few days. So tell us a story at 204-780-6868. Santa Lucia Pizza gift card up for grabs. $20 worth. We'll give it away at 915. Loren McNabb, why don't we start with you?
3: Well, the difference, even just between today and two days ago, is that you're not having that race to the car shaking feeling where you finally warm up only when you arrive at your destination <laughs> moment, which is really, really nice. I even uh, when I jumped in the car last night and I thought, okay, again, we're back to manageable winter. Oh, there's lots of places that we like to go. You know, we we live not far from Red the red river. So there's different hiking trails along there. St. Adolph has a really great, cool friendship trail that they've created that just help gets you, mi- your mind off things. And you can hit the hill there for a little tobogganing, which is, um, the floodway. It's the, it's the, it's the dike. There's no hill. Let's be honest about it. But it's been created there to protect the town of St. Adolph. And so I always like to just get out and do that with the kids. And I, I know we're all going to have the same feelings about the forks, but time and time again, we hit that up every single year. I just cannot believe that when you get to that river and you look back, you, the city really just disappears at some spots. And it's a pretty incredible feeling just to get out and kind of give you that. I don't know. It's, it's almost like you can breathe a little easier and. So that those are a few of my favorites.
2: Awesome stuff. Jeff Braun, what about you? Um, for me, oh, yeah, just
4: going for my daily walk, when it's really frigid, I have to kind of do it inside, and that really sucks, and it actually makes me a little bit dizzy because I'm just pacing back and forth in my living room, trying to get my steps in so when it warms <laughs> up and I can actually go outside, it's a huge relief. Yesterday was the best outside walk I've had uh, in a month at least. But the other thing I did yesterday, which I had been putting off, was – My license plates were peeling and I had to get new ones. And I knew as soon as I got the new ones, I'd have to, you know, take a screwdriver and unscrew the old ones and put the new ones on. And I was like, you know what? I don't need to do that when it's minus 45 windshield outside. I'll wait till it's nicer. So yesterday, right after work, I ran out and got the new plates and got them put on.
2: There it is. Yeah, sometimes it's just getting out and doing stuff that you've been putting off. Like I had a couple of uh, Christmas gifts that my dad bought me that I needed to exchange. And I've had no desire to get in the car and do it when it's been minus 30. Yesterday I warmed up. I went and got it done, finally. Um, What about you,
1: Greg? I had a whole bunch of cardboard I had to take. To the recycling depot from uh, Christmas. I did that when it was about minus 35. I should have waited. But let me tell you, when I took whiskey for his walk yesterday, he was so happy. He just looked (laughs) at me a bunch of times as if to say, can you take this frickin' leash off of me. I just want to run and play in the snow because for the last several weeks, uh, it's either been basically to the corner and back or not at all in terms of the walk and just night and day. And there's a trail. I'm going to get in trouble for sharing this. It's sort of like a fisherman or fisher sharing their favorite uh, fishing spot. Uh, My favorite place to go for a walk and go for a hike in weather like this is uh, the Nimowin Trail up at Birds Hill it's absolutely spectacular it's uh, one of those it's one of those places you go and you go I don't even feel like I'm in Manitoba anymore and that seems to be the hallmark of a of a good spot whether it's a restaurant uh, some sort of other uh, recreational activity or tourist attraction so uh, there's my there's my secret spot
2: thank you for giving us some intel there Gmac hopefully the the others who share that trail with you won't be coming <laughs> after yeah, you public-
1: I'm public enemy number one now. <laughs> uh, uh Well, I, you know, I got to join in on everyone else. Uh, a, a walk. Went for a walk yesterday with the wife, and it was uh, awesome. I would say we'd been. Uh, I think, like many people, we're like we're constantly telling each other we have to walk more. We have to. And, uh, you know, when you look at the forecast and it's minus 45, it's, it's pretty tough to put on the boots and, and, and get bundled up for a, a couple minutes outside. So uh, we kept putting that off. Uh, but, uh, yesterday we went out for a walk. We planned to again today. It was very nice. Um, yeah, it was nice not to plug uh to to kind of uh we did a we went and visited um my uh my wife's aunt yesterday and mm. uh, it was nice not to plug in the car when we got uh back to the house. So uh, that was that was nice. Excellent. A-, a walk
3: outside versus inside, you just can't compare. Like Jeff is saying <laughs> wow, it gets dizzy. So like I know it sounds <laughs> silly to <laughs> say, but but I've uh, there's been a couple of days where I've gone with a friend to like a walking, like a track you can run on or walk on, and it's just you're going in a circle, and I do get dizzy. Like it's this wide circle, and it's these beige walls, and the conversations, I'm like, you're not as interesting inside as outside, and we're like just annoyed, and I, I don't really mean that. I'm just it just it all feels blah. And I, I know that sounds like a super silly thing to say, but the people who actually aim to go walking and running inside, I just, um, I'm flummoxed.
2: Well, and Forte, what about you? Have you, has the cold weather stopped you from going
3: for your walks? Oh, hell no. I go for a walk every day. (laughs) Just yesterday, I wore less layers. Yeah. You know, I'm like an ogre in the winter. Layers. That's a Shrek reference for people (laughs) who didn't know. (laughs) Ogres have layers. I wear tights in the winter. I wear tights, and then I wear my long johns, and then I wear my ski pants, Yesterday, I didn't wear any tights. I just wore oh. my long johns and ski pants. Whoa, 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 whoa. Oh, where's are like parfait. onions, Everybody I think. Everybody loves
1: a parfait. <laughs> yes, exactly. Everyone <laughs> does love a parfait. What's the
3: and difference, difference between tights all and
1: long johns, Jeff? Walk all over those stairs. The tights are th- the stairs.
3: <laughs> the tights are tighter than the long johns. So I wear the tights first, and <laughs> the tight. long johns go over. <laughs> yes, my mom gave me the tights, by the way. Thanks, Mom. And, uh, yeah, so I wear the tights, then the long johns, then my ski pants, and, uh, you know, just just got to layer it up.
2: Here's what we need from you at 204-780-6868. What do you like to do when you can unhibernate for a few days during these frozen months of winter? (music) Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb coming up after Global News at 8 o'clock. We're going to speak to Winnipeg business Activate Games which has reached a major milestone on social media, 1 million followers on TikTok. So that's pretty cool, and it's a cool place. Uh, and then We'll get more into that after Global News at 8. It's one of the most fun places anywhere, as far as I'm concerned. But uh, right now we want to talk about Quebec. Loren, Quebec is putting its foot down on the unvaccinated.
3: Yeah, we talked earlier about the fact that we weren't necessarily surprised that this was the province to do it, given the fact that they've had that curfew there. They've been really hard on their restrictions. They also have that rule about you can't go in and buy alcohol if you don't have your vaccine. So yesterday, Premier Francois Legault said people who refuse to get immunized against COVID-19 will soon have to pay a health care tax. Global's Mike Armstrong looks at the potentially steep price some Quebecers could face and how the experts are
0: reacting. Quebec's premier says he's feeling a grumbling in the population, a growing frustration that a small percentage of people refusing to be vaccinated are putting the health care system at risk.
4: I think it's normal that the majority of the population is asking that there be a consequence.
0: Now, what that's going to mean is a sort of tax, or at least a bill. Anyone who doesn't have an approved medical exemption from being vaccinated will pay what François Legault is calling a health contribution. He says the application is still being worked out, as is the amount. Legault will only say that he wants it to be significant and that $50 or $100 for him wouldn't be significant. I think it will be divisive. Bioethicist Kerry Bowman calls himself as pro-vaccine as possible. In fact, he calls getting vaccinated an ethical obligation. Protecting the healthcare system and people around you is that important. But Bowman says fining people who refuse to get vaccinated is effectively making vaccines mandatory, something he's against. It may also push people already fighting health measures to even more anger. I mean, how much civil unrest
6: do you want to create? You know, how many people do you want to alienate?
0: Obligatory vaccination is clearly a violation of the Charter. Human rights lawyer Julius Gray says this new health contribution would very likely be challenged in court. The problem is, he says, both sides would have strong arguments. Predicting a winner, he says, would be a toss-up. It's a very serious violation of individual integrity, but at the same time, there is an argument in favor of uh, uh, putting an end to the pandemic.
4: They put a very important burden
0: Now, one thing the announcement may have done for the premier is change the headlines. Quebec's national public health director resigned suddenly Monday night. There's also growing frustration over the province-wide curfew. Nego says the government's reviewing whether to lift it next week. Mike Armstrong, Global News,
1: Montreal. So I think court cases galore are guaranteed should this come into effect, should this legislation get introduced and subsequently passed. And I think... You know, when you listen to that report, and that's just a couple of minutes of conversation on that, you heard some uh, very distinctive, very accredited experts on this. And I think you could find very, very good lawyers that could argue either side of this. And so when you talk about it being a toss-up, I think that just means this is going to get probably tied up in court before it ever gets enacted. And one of our listeners uh, sent a text message this morning that I think encapsulates the way uh, some people on the affirmative side of this feel. And Cody says this, I feel like Quebec will be loaded with ammo when it comes uh, to fighting this. The country does the same thing with cigarettes, right? I smoke and I pay way more than I need to for a pack of smokes because it's been proven I'm a bigger strain on the system than a non-smoker. If Quebec can prove that unvaxxed people pose a larger strain on the system, I think they are good to go. And they can't jack the price of goods, so they hit them on their taxes. I don't think they will be the only province that tries it either. And one of the legal arguments I've seen on this, Lorraine, is the fact it's one thing like cigarettes to impose a tax on something you do The difficulty lies in the minds of many legal experts in the idea of taxing you for something that you haven't done.
3: Hmm. It is a different equation there. And I think it would have to come down to that listener's point about dollars and cents. If you're really going to make it make sense to people, this person costs the healthcare system X dollars more than perhaps the vaccinated. If they can make that argument, maybe. This is at least a... I don't want to use the term middle ground, but it's certainly far less extreme than some of the proposals we've seen from people within our own audience, Brett, who have said that healthcare services should be denied or people who are on vac should go to the back of the line or those kinds of things, because that's not a place I ever want to get to in this country. But it is it is saying we're not not treating you. You're just going to be charged a bit more for it. I think at the end of the day, they're going to wait and see what happens. If this encourages 10%, 15% more people to go get it over the next few months, maybe they back off. Maybe it's part of the game plan to get people talking and considering it a bit more. It. Uh, I, my initial reaction is just, even right now while I speak, my shoulders are up around my ears. And my arms are crossed <laughs> and I'm clenched because I just think, ah... Like here we go right you, to to tax people for this choice just I'm uncomfortable if that's the right way to put it
2: Well you can weigh in of course, on our text line, 2047806868, or cast your vote on the question of the day, which is brought to you by Mr. Furnace. Don't call them first. You'll see why. Call Mr. Furnace at two zero four eight three two sixty two forty three. 6243 Should the same thing happen in Manitoba, what they're talking about doing in Quebec. Now at CJOB.com, we've got nine percent who say yes, ninety-one percent say no on Twitter. say yes, 33% say no. And then on Instagram, that's the closest race here. 47% say yes, 53% say no. So lots of places for you to vote and weigh in. Mackling McGarry and McNabb, what do you like to do for unhibernation? And look, a lot of people embrace the extreme cold. They love to get outside no matter what. But uh, for a lot of us... Not so much. And Chris from Carmen with a really neat text here. Chris says, my go-to place is running on the Boyne River in Carmen. There's a beautiful four-kilometer walking, running, skating trail, hidden gem of a trail, but not so hidden now, I guess. Yesterday, I had a bit more spring in my step. Finally, was able to dress up in some lighter layers with some beachwear accessories and said aloha to whomever I met <laughs> on my run. I popped into some store owners to spread the warm weather cheer, and I just might have done a little dance routine on the river, and if you're interested, it can be seen at... Carmen Runner on Instagram, and I'm looking at it. This is the music. Can you hear that? So he set it to some tropical music and nice little dance. Well done, Chris. That made me me smile this morning.
3: That does work, that music. That really set the tone, you know, like you're you're very Hawaiian. Uh, Listener Mike texted to say that he... And his wife would normally go south around this time of year to escape the cold. And, of course, they're not doing that because of COVID. So they're doing a little vacation at the end of the forks. He says you can find him. He'll be the one falling on the river trail. Not running <laughs> on the river trail, but falling as they attempt to skate. So that's kind of neat way to get out, but not get out too far. And um, you have a bit of both best of both worlds, A hotel room plus uh, the river trail.
1: I like these minus teen temperatures. It's a nice, happy medium, not too warm that it's slushy and mucky and messy to uh, get your car dirty, not too freezing cold that you want to stay inside. And Brett, you shared with us a video yesterday. You caught those ice cycles in action yesterday. What'd you think? Yeah, they looked super neat.
2: We talked to uh, the founder of Ice Cycles uh, a couple of days ago, and I went for a walk on the trail, and as I was approaching sort of the launch point at the legislature, I saw them going by, so I sort of ran down to hastily capture some video, and that this one, I believe, was the Ice Trike. That's the one with the two skis on the front instead of a blade. And uh, yeah, they looked super neat. I saw a couple of people on them, so I don't know how many were out there, but they've got another pop-up today from 4 until 8 p.m., and the, uh, the you can meet them at the Bonnie Castle Park access point on the trail if you want to check them out. Looks super fun. Mackling, McGarry and McNabb, as we've been telling you this morning, Jeff Braun's been telling you in Global News, Quebec wants to impose a vax tax, a financial penalty for the unvaccinated. And we are getting... Boatloads of feedback at 204-780-6868. Loren, what you got?
3: Well, this is a similar tax that come or similar line from listeners. Joe texts to say, "I am often of the thought that non-vaccinated people may put a strain on the healthcare system, but I don't think you should tax people who aren't vaccinated. But what about a charge if you are hospitalized for COVID? And so that is a sentiment that's come from a couple of listeners. Another one said, "The tax is a slippery slope and problematic to enforce. Why not just refuse to admit unvaccinated?" To the hospital and so we've heard that often in the past few months and and that is where it becomes unconstitutional you have a constitutional right to access health care in this country or at least in some form and so this is i guess um maybe more palatable palatable to people greg because it's just taxing them for something they're not doing is rather than punishing them when they show up at the hospital
1: yeah and that is like i said uh, earlier when we were discussing this that that's part of of uh, this, that is a slippery slope for several lawyers that I saw quoted. It's one thing to impose sin taxes, like on cigarettes, like on alcohol, like on marijuana, but to tax you for something that you're not doing, maybe a little bit more difficult. One another one of our listeners says definitely in favor of a mandate for the vaccine, anything it takes to get out of this pandemic. And and you know that listener is sort of calling it what it is, right? It really is what it is. It's not necessarily a, a vax tax, but more of a backdoor to a vaccine mandate. This listener goes on to say, oh, I want to get back to normal. We have to rely on the researchers and medical doctors. We were told in the beginning, herd immunity is what is needed. So let's get on board, people. And then uh, one of our very loyal listeners, uh, Brett, uh, on the uh, other side of this. And that's, uh, is that Arthur? Yes, sir. All right. So
2: Arthur says the Legault decision... To levy a tax on Quebec's unvaccinated residents is justified only if resulting hospitalization imposes a directly related additional cost in the already overburdened healthcare system. Uh, prior taxation imposed on those not putting excessive strain on the provincial treasury is both unconstitutional and immoral. One can legitimately be held responsible for one's decisions only after precipitating action follows not beforehand. Arthur, well said. Eloquent, as always. Thank you very much, sir. Yeah, this whole thing, I, my first reaction was, oh, boy, this is uh, this is going to be a, a bit of a mess. But uh, as always, our listeners are sort of helping to put things into perspective. And again, if you want to weigh in, cjob.com for the question of the day or on Twitter or on Instagram. Uh, final thought, Loren?
3: Well, I was just going to say, Greg, you had made that point about the listener who said that the tax on cigarettes, you know, people who smoke pay an additional tax because, uh, in the, the smoker does put an additional strain on the healthcare system. One of our listeners texted about grass. If you don't cut your grass on your boulevard, does the city charge you? Have you ever had that fine levied at you? What other examples can you think of that if you don't do, what's being asked of you, where you get that fine, and, and can, you, can you put them in the same column as a, a vaccination tax, the same as uh, that cigarette pack tax or something else? Let us know,
2: 780-6868. We got a fun story for you about one of the most fun places on planet Earth, I exaggerate not, and it just so happens to be right here in Winnipeg, on Portage Avenue, in Westwood. It's called Activate Games. And they have hit a big milestone on social media. One million followers on TikTok. And based on their research, they might just be the first Manitoba company, if not Canadian company, to do so, Greg.
1: Last year, TikTok was the most popular website on the World Wide Web, surpassing Google last year. So this is a big deal, Activate Is a high-tech gaming facility where players jump, climb, and dodge through hundreds of interactive games. It's like being inside a video game. We were there, Loren, on New Year's Eve 2019. We had an absolute blast, and it was uh, really set to become a regular part of our rotation of activities before the pandemic hit.
3: So you talking about the popularity of TikTok, there's why we're bringing on our next guest, or at least the hook, I think, for it. Activate has amassed over 150 million views on TikTok, which is, of course, a social media platform with short burst videos. It has 1 billion users around the world. So hitting 150 million views on TikTok is a pretty big deal. Adam Schmidt is the co-owner of Activate Games and our guest this morning. How's it going, Adam?
4: Hey, pretty good. How are you?
3: I'm good. What What do you think? 150 million views. Why is this a big deal for you guys?
4: Um, I don't know. I uh, <laughs> when we put when we put it up, uh, we just we kind of uh, you know someone from Winnipeg came that was actually a, a popular uh, radio host, and he posted it on his TikTok, and all of a sudden we started getting people coming through the door saying, "I saw it on TikTok. I had never heard of it. I've been you know they live in the city, never heard of it." And then all of a sudden they're coming. And so we thought, why don't we make a TikTok account? And so, it, yeah, it really blew up. And so uh, um, we get franchise requests from around the world, um, like uh, some, some days, like 200 a day. <laughs> and, and so Activate kind of really went global when we made this TikTok account, which was, which was really cool. Um, but yeah, that's why I think it's it's pretty cool because it, it really gets the, the name out there and so it, it allows us to kinda expand and figure out new opportunities and uh yeah, it's pretty neat.
1: Obviously the pandemic's been uh difficult for your business and businesses like yours and entertainment and rec- recreation. How are things going? Mm-hmm. How are you managing uh in this in this fourth wave, Adam?
4: Great. Um well I mean obviously we, we we dropped our capacity a little lower than the government wanted us to, like our, uh, our max. We, we dropped it to 25% just to keep things really safe. But, uh, yeah, I think everything is going to go really well. We've actually used this opportunity to really try to expand everything. So um, this year we are planning on putting up four locations in Canada and four in the United States um, in 2022. And so, um, yeah, we're just using this downtime to kind of beef everything up.
2: So the, the, the games that you've created, like you guys came up with this idea. You do it all. Uh, you basically built all this stuff yourself, right? Uh, so yeah. when you franchise it out, how does that work? Like, Would you go to those locations and help them get set up or you just send them the specs? Like, How does that work?
4: Well, all the ones in, in Canada, we're going to completely own on our own. And we actually only just deal with one company that puts them up themselves in the United States right now. So uh, we, we haven't quite uh finalize the franchise model for for everywhere else but uh but yeah we're going to make everything here right in uh winnipeg and we're taking possession of a a new warehouse uh on friday that's where we're going to be so we're just basically quadrupled our size um come friday that's
3: (laughs) amazing Consider you've done all this in the past just a couple of years alone and in, in the midst of a pandemic adam i'm curious then so you're you've had this expansion What does that mean in terms of the people you're employing in the different cities you're in now
4: yeah so um we're just we're always going to keep our headquarters here and so we're going to have to hire a bunch of extra people like we've we've done a lot of hiring in the last week actually um and um and then individually, like throughout every city that we would put them in, we're putting, uh, we're opening up a new store next month in Toronto. Um, and so, yeah, we would have to just hire just for that store. But as as more stores go up, we have to sort of beef up our headquarters here in Winnipeg.
1: It's an exciting story. Not only the storefront here in Winnipeg, but the behind the scenes and everything that's going on and your, and your goals to, to grow right across the world. Adam, we appreciate this. Congratulations and keep in touch with us. Thanks. Thanks so much, guys.
2: You can get more information on them online. Their website is activate.ca, or, of course, you can follow them on TikTok and uh, be one of the 150 million views as they have reached 1 million followers. Super impressive achievement on social media. And, uh, honestly, if you've never been there, just at least go to our Instagram to watch the video we've posted. It's, it's like... It still blows my mind, Greg, when I think about it, how cool it was there and how
1: much fun it was. Yeah, it's one thing to work a joystick and to sit down and, and play a video game on your TV. But when you are actually Mario, <laughs> you are jumping up and down and avoiding uh, the different things that you need to dodge and, and the the digital lights and the and the. And the competition that's involved, it is absolutely stellar entertainment. And it's a pretty darn good workout, too. Loren, have you been with the
3: boys yet? No, and I've been meaning to. And then, of course, I think we first talked to them, I want to say, in the fall of 2019, just before. And so the plan was to get there, maybe even plan some birthday parties. And then, of course, you just get into the year and pandemic and all the rest. But there's no excuse. I'll give it a shot.
2: Mackling McGarry. And McNab, Quebec wants to tax people unvaccinated against COVID-19. Can the province do that? That's the headline at globalnews.ca. And that's the question Canadians right across the country are asking this morning.
3: It's not clear from this announcement out of Quebec yesterday just how much the unvaccinated would be taxed in this proposal. All Quebec Premier Francois Legault has said is that it, the penalty would be significant. It's already drawn all sorts of attention and criticism and optimism. Canadian Civil Liberties Association says this move is constitutionally vulnerable. Other legal experts have said it could work because provinces have the authority to levy direct taxes and that it essentially makes sense from a fairness perspective to force those who pose the most burden on the healthcare system to pay. Either way, this proposed vax tax will be challenged in court, I'm sure. And then, of course, Greg... Not just the legal question, or should they or shouldn't they, but the ethical question.
1: Arthur Schaefer is the founder of the Centre for Professional and Applied Ethics at the University of Manitoba and joins us now live on The Start. Good morning, Professor Schaefer. How are you this morning? Good morning. I'm very well, thank you. How are you? I'm doing okay, you know, but I, I'm a Canadian who um, very grateful for the healthcare system. My, my first, uh, my only two children... Spent a combined 58 days in a neonatal intensive care unit. My mom was shipped to Toronto for life-saving heart surgery. My 93-year-old grandfather had open heart surgery. I didn't have to fill out a form, answer a questionnaire, or write a check for any one of those things. And so this is going to feel a little bit weird, I think, for some connection for, for a lot of Canadians on with regard to healthcare now being brought into this and the idea of levying a tax associated with with your health decisions. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Is this ethical? Ah, uh, well, um, let,
6: me, uh, let me start by explaining why I think many people will be cheering the proposal, and then I'll perhaps mention some reasons uh, against it. So uh, those who aren't vaxxed, uh, are are putting a special burden on our healthcare system at a time where many people who need that healthcare system for cancer, for heart disease, for uh, uh, orthopedic surgery are being denied it. So uh, there is an issue of fairness. Uh, your decision not to get vaccinated uh, is not just a decision affecting your health, it's a de- decision affecting our healthcare system may even lead to the collapse of the healthcare system, since disproportionately those who are in the ICU and indeed those who are in hospital with COVID are people who are unvaccinated. So I think lots of people will think, well, they deserve it. They're free riders. They're exploiting the rest. It's un. What they're doing is unfair, and uh, and therefore fining them, uh, taxing them. Uh, especially would uh would be partial comp- they deserve the punishment and it's partially forcing them to pay for the harm they're causing so that's the case in favor
2: is there a slippery slope here
6: <laughs> well um i think there there are some real uh problems so um for example the the fine that the province of quebec uh is uh considering imposing, is said to be more than $100. Okay. Uh, By the way, just in parenthesis, let me mention that uh, if you're hospitalized in Singapore and you're unvaccinated, you're charged (laughs) $25,000. So uh, a fine in the hundreds of dollars might seem modest by comparison, but of course it's a flat rate uh, tax that's proposed or Health fee, and it's going to hit poor people very much harder. Than, for a rich person, $100, $200, $300 is a minor tax. They don't want to be vaxxed. They'll pay the money. Uh, for a poor person, it could mean uh, that they have to go without food or they, they can't heat their apartment or they can't feed their kids properly. Uh, some people won't be able to pay and they'll end up in prison. Others will refuse to pay on principle, and they'll become martyrs. So the results of a flat tax could well be counterproductive. Moreover, the people who are unvaxxed, I mean, I don't think we can put them all in a single basket. Uh, many of them uh, are people from marginalized community who distrust the health care system because of very negative experiences they've had. Others have deep suspicions of big pharma, as any reasonable person would. Uh, I mean, Pfizer, for example, has been fined civilly and criminally thousands of millions of dollars for for fraud and misrepresentation and dishonest research. So skepticism about pharma uh, isn't uh, isn't a ridiculous uh, position to have. So um, that's... Something that we should uh, that we should keep in mind. In the end, I think the, the uh, courts might well uh, throw this out. And the argument is going to be, first, is it necessary? Are there other things the province could do? For example, in Quebec, um, they don't require vaccine passports for all non-essential services. Well, maybe before you start finding the unvaccinated, uh, you should uh, introduce a more effective uh, vaccine passport system. And one additional point, remember that uh, the unvaccinated may be completely isolated. That is, they may not pose a risk to anyone else. And the, the fine or the tax is going to be imposed on everyone, including those who are isolating at home. So that, that doesn't seem quite fair.
3: You mentioned other jurisdictions. So Singapore, if you're not vaccinated and you end up in hospital, you have to pay your own medical bills, essentially. Greece has a a monthly fee, I think it's 140, 150 bucks for anyone over 60 that is, uh, remains unvaccinated. So Quebec wouldn't be the first if they go ahead with this, but it is begging the question from our listeners. And, and Brett alluded to that slippery slope. Like, where is the line then? If you start doing things like this, what about other vaccines where people, you know, for measles, for example, if you're unvaccinated, what about people who choose to drink sugary drinks or drink more alcohol or what have you? I mean, does it start opening the door for a whole other host of? Well, you're also a burden on the healthcare system for A, B, and C.
6: Yeah, though I mean those are really uh, good points. Uh, uh you're in the hospital because you were jaywalking and hit by a car. Uh you're in the hospital for lung disease or cancer when you were a smoker or you were in a you need a liver procedure transplant because you've been drinking abusively. Uh you live with a non-smoking spouse. You go heli skiing. Um, people take all sorts of risks with their lives. And in general, when we distribute health care, we don't do it to the virtuous and the, or, or we don't have a queue with the virtuous on top and the uh, and those who engage in risky behaviors at the bottom. We say you get health care in Canada based on your need and not on how fat or thin your wallet is and not how uh, virtuously you've you've behaved. I think that's the right policy. Now, the fine, I mean, he's uh, the, the uh, Quebec Premier is calling it a health care, a special health care tax. But there are lots of people, as you as you mentioned, you know, they live on uh, Tim Horton's donuts. Uh, they become obese. They don't exercise sufficiently. Are we going to start fining? Well, some people have said, yeah, let's have a an income tax, special income tax on those with a body mass index over a certain amount. I I don't think that's uh, uh, the way we want to go in Canada. First of all, the people who drink or smoke. I mean, let's take smokers. Many of them are addicted when they're teenagers. Um, the people who drink abusively, in many cases, they're abused, depressed. They're they're trying to cope with enormous stresses in their life. Uh, I think it's better if we treat health care as a fundamental right and not attempt to impose special punishment or fines or uh, penalties on, on those we judge, maybe not fairly, uh, to have uh, taken risks that impose a burden on society.
1: I guess the other question that comes into play here, Professor Schaefer, is just this notion of if things get even worse, there will be some decisions made in a triage situation with regard to who is more likely to survive, who has done what in uh, certain circumstances, uh, which facilities do we have room for in terms of rehabilitation. Like there's going to be a whole checklist of things if the healthcare system gets burdened beyond its capacity. So these choices may be getting made in a different circumstance, whether we like it or not.
6: Yes, no, you're right. Uh, And uh, uh, Manitoba has already engaged in triage. So for example, during the previous wave of the the third wave of the pandemic, someone decided that uh, this and this and this patient would be sent out of province where they're far away from, family and friends. How was that decision made? Who made it? Who'll get uh, priority? And I I wrote an article on this topic uh, many months ago, supporting a group of Manitoba doctors who said, you know what, we could easily be facing triage. The decision should not be left at the bedside to individual doctors with their own values, attitudes, maybe prejudices, We should have provincial guidelines so that all Manitobans know that when resources are, when life support resources are so scarce that some people are going to have to be denied those resources, we should know what the criteria are. There should be public discussion and the criteria should be um, uh, not just discussed, but publicized uh, so that those who make them are held accountable. Well, guess what? The government of Manitoba, Ontario, has triage guidelines. The government of Manitoba has none. Months go by, and of course, we will end up in a triage situation, and the decisions will be made behind closed doors based on criteria that may be fair, they may be unfair. It's just one more instance where the province of Manitoba and its Department of Health and its premier seem unable to be proactive, to anticipate what everyone knows is coming and to take the measures that are necessary.
2: Arthur Schaefer is the founder of the Centre for Professional and Applied Ethics at the University of Manitoba, joining us live on 680 CJOB. Arthur, thank you very much for this. A pleasure as always. Nice being with you. 849 on 680 CJOB with Mackling, McGarry and McNabb. You can respond to what you've just heard at 204-780-6868 as you have been doing en masse this morning. So much feedback on this topic and we thank you for all of the feedback on both sides of the equation. (laughs) Mackling McGarry and McNabb, we are getting all kinds of feedback this morning on this Quebec Vax Tax discussion, and we thank you for all of your feedback. Um, We got one text message in particular that you flagged, Greg, that uh, certainly knocked my socks off. I imagine it did to Lorraine as well, and hopefully it it has the same effect on uh, some
1: of our audience. Well, it's a perspective that uh, none of the three of us have based on our time on this planet alone. This listener says, I'm going to be 78, but have lived through smallpox, chickenpox, polio, and many other dreadful diseases. We witnessed others in our community not being able to walk or breathe because of polio, living in those big iron lungs to keep them alive. When time came for a vaccine, we didn't hesitate. We lined up graciously and thankfully. We never once questioned the doctors. Never once questioned the scientists. Never once questioned the researchers. Consequently, by getting our vaccines, polio was wiped out. Smallpox was wiped out. Chickenpox was wiped out. I have members in our family and friends waiting for knee and hip replacements. Heart surgeries and cataract surgeries are being cancelled and suffering daily with pain and discomfort. It breaks my heart that surgeries are being canceled because ICUs are filling up with people refusing to get vaccinated. How would these people with COVID feel if they were refused treatment? Please think about others and not yourself.
3: I think there's so many great things in that. First of all, the perspective there to have lived through all those things and just look at it like that. The the difference is right now we are living in a time with so much information, access to information, the ability to express your opinions and hear from others. And so that's leading to maybe more more conversations maybe more fractured conversations and that's the challenge you hear so much you get to say so much another one of our listeners weighed in with just a quick thought i want out of this pandemic like everyone else but this just isn't the way in my opinion on the vax tax it seems everything we do divides us further and i'd like us to come out of this more as a community than not
2: MacLing, McGarry, and McNabb, our question of the day at cjob.com has to do with our contest, unhibernation with the warmer weather. A lot of Manitobans are going to be getting outside. And I know a lot of Manitobans still get outside, regardless of how cold it is. Lots of hardy Manitobans embrace winter, no matter what. Uh, but for many of us, yeah, minus thirty, I'll rather you know you might want to stay inside. So the question is, the frigid temperatures are gone for a few days at least, which means more Manitobans will head outside. What gets you outdoors in January? And that's what we're asking you for a chance to win Santa Lucia Pizza and Loren. I think uh, Rudy has a suggestion that uh, you might like.
3: And I would love to read Rudy's text, but I'm trapped in MFA land. (laughs) Which, in my mind, stands for something else right now, if I'm not going to lie. It does not stand for multi-factor authentication. However, I've had to log off and on because all four members of my family are online right now, and I don't know what's going down, but Phil, just carry on, okay? I'm not part of this. I see Rudy's
1: text. Okay, go for it, I can bail you out here. Oh, this he wants a treat there can you hear her barking her head off there rudy says ice fishing with bacon and eggs in the tent later deer sausage in between catching fish this is my dehibernation and one of our listeners said earlier that they like to go out and do the snowmobile poker derbies you know even when it's minus 28 and i i bow to people who are that dedicated to that activity how much they love it i I think it's fantastic I, i just can't do it when it's that cold yeah. And I, my microphone. here. And
2: I, by the way, I love this. What's just happened here? Because with everybody doing dealing with remote learning right now and so many of us working from home, Loren's having problems trying to stay connected. Greg's dog is in his face. Uh, so I just I think that was beautiful. But Chris from Carmen is our winner. Chris says my go to place is running on the Boyne River in Carmen. It's a beautiful four kilometer walking slash running slash skating hidden gem of a trail but not so hidden now, I guess. Yesterday, I had just a bit more spring in my step with the warmer weather. Finally, was able to dress up in some lighter layers with some beachwear accessories. I said aloha to whomever I met on my run, popped into some store owners to spread the warm weather cheer, and I just might have done a little dance routine on the river. And if you're interested, it can be seen on at Carmen Runner on Instagram, and it's accompanied by this rather tropical yeah. music. Even at one point, goes and sits down in a lawn chair under an umbrella that he's set up <laughs> on the ice right so on Chris. way to go That's Chris You how to
3: do it pretend minus 20 is plus 20 and you're laughing
2: especially when it's sunny outside the sun is so can be so bright and vibrant on a nice crisp winter day so Chris you're a winner congratulations